Hi, everyone. Today is Wednesday, October the 14th of 2020, and we are here with Rudy at none other than Rudy's Psychic Meetup. How are you doing, Rudy? Hey, everyone. Doing great. It's been a busy couple of weeks. Been doing some traveling. I made it to Sedona, Arizona last week and got to visit one of our uh, one of our members, uh, Betty Antibus, took her to lunch. So that was fun to reunite with her. We met her in Anaheim. And then, um, yeah, just been busy around here and my son's getting back to school. So things are getting back to normal. Yeah. So woo, woo, we got a couple topics tonight. We'll see how far we get. Uh, one, I want to thank Bradley J. He has a topic about uh, authors who actually hear their characters speak to them and interact with them. And then we'll go over the angelic hierarchy. If uh, this is a little bit more of an extensive topic than I thought originally, but um, we'll talk about the different types of angels. We had a question last week and I thought that would be a fun one to explore. Um, so let's start off with authors and their ability to speak and interact with their characters. So Sam, there was a, a psychology today article written by Ainsley Hawthorne and, uh, and this was, I think, for at the end of September. And researchers at Durham University surveyed about 181 authors who were attending uh, the Edinburgh International Book Festival uh, between the years of 2014 and 2018, just to find out how common it is for writers to see, hear, or feel the presence of their characters. And they asked questions like, do you hear your characters' voices? Do you have a visual or some sort of sensory experience that they're around? Um, can you enter into a dialogue with your characters? Um, th those types of questions. And it was really interesting because they found that about two-thirds of authors uh, will hear their characters' voices. Um, over half see their characters or in some way sense them, sense who they are. And 61% uh, feel their characters have uh, agency and can also and can behave differently than the authors want them to. So, Sam, what do you think is happening here with authors? Are they tapping into some sort of vibration that allows them to be in a more creative state? Or, you know, how do you think they're being inspired there? Well, I think that everybody's mind, not everybody's mind works differently, but that there might be, you know, five or six different mindsets, okay. maybe more. I'm just like how some people are really good at math and other people are, you know, really good at, you know, dressing up a room, you know, yeah. <laughs> or a wardrobe themselves, you know, and other people, they can't find the right color socks to wear with their suit, you know? So everybody has abilities in different areas. I do strongly believe in that. And I think that the authors who are actually able to have, you know, a conversation with their characters in their mind, they're probably going to do a better job yeah. writing um, a story that has more twists and turns that a person may not necessarily even think of. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, is they have a really good imagination? Or are they? Is there some woo-woo thing they're tapping into um, that maybe they don't know about? You know, almost like authorship in the same way we talked about music before uh, is some is a gift where you're actually. <laughs> tapping in or channeling, you know, and some of them have said, uh, you know, one of the writers said, I hear them in my mind. They have distinct voice patterns and tones. Um, several authors compared it to watching a movie. Like they can just, they kind of visualize what they're doing in these interactions and they basically write that down. Um, and some of them even will sense the presence of the room. Like they'll, they'll feel that the character is there and they'll turn around. So Sam, I was wondering, can people on the other side or even like familiar spirits, um, inspire stories and actually give people these stories and they're almost channeling with and thinking it's their own thoughts, but they're actually transcribing stories like that. Yeah. I was just going to suggest that as well, that some people it's their artistic mind, but other people um, it is their ability to speak to the other side that they're mediums and they don't know it. 
And one of the things that I found from a very young age is that these um, spirits that could speak to me, they would, they love to tell their stories. Oh, okay. Interesting. So it's a good way to get your story out. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's what I was wondering if they're picking up on like almost a story that's already happened, like a, a spirit is telling them that. So, you know, I'll, tell you this the level of independence kind of varies when the yes the authors about these uh these characters um but some you know about 13 percent say they do whatever they want and these people just write it down about 27 percent say the characters develop kind of their own personality after they they've brought them to a certain point um and then some uh experience their characters Sometimes they can get them to do what they want, but other times they kind of have a mind of their own. So it's almost like they're having an inner monologue. So that's what, that's what I was thinking. It sounds a bit like psychic perception in some of these cases. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it would be so hard to know um, until somebody put it to practice. I mean, you know, I could have been an author that was just, um, you know, really a medium, but not know until... I would do readings for people, for example. Okay. It's not it's not crazy to be a medium and not know that you're a medium. Okay. Yeah, you know, the author of the Conan the Barbarian novels, uh, she felt that she he wasn't creating new stories, but recounting events that occurred. So it definitely sounds like, you know, that, that could be the case. Sam, are there any authors that come to mind? I'm thinking like Stephen King or any famous authors that we know of that you think might have abilities that uh, we don't know about? Any names pop in? Oh, none. No names come okay. to mind. I would say no. A big no to Stephen King. Okay, wants <laughs> to be really twisted. Actually, I was like, ooh, some of the stuff I've read about him. I'm like, ah, he seems to be kind of twisted, like some of his characters. Maybe that makes him what makes him so good. <laughs> he does. I'm not a big Stephen King. I've never read any of his novels, but obviously, I've seen uh-huh. some of his movies, and um, he has some really great uh, actors and actresses who have, you know, re- replayed his novel story. So yeah. certainly don't want to undercut his abilities. I'm sure there's lots of Stephen King fans in the house, but I'm not feeling there's any mediumistic. But I will tell you that we did talk about before that he may be stalked by sort of dark entities or dark things because of the mindset okay. he puts himself in for those um, novels. And then that in itself can feed your mind because any human can be affected by the dark entities. They feed off of our anxiety and fear and it's not a good state of mind to be in, but some people are comfortable in that state of mind. And, you know, that's where their story flows from, I guess. Yeah. You know, and it made me think about actors as well. You know, some actors are really good at getting into their characters and they'll, they'll kind of talk about the same thing that these writers are talking about. And then you also have these method actors that actually will go into character for the duration of their entire uh, filming. Um, what do you think is going on there, Sam? Is it something very similar where people are either getting into that mindset or almost maybe even a channeling with some of these actors? Do you think that happens? Oh yeah. I think that, you know, especially if you don't know what you're doing, Okay. And you're not you're not able to sort of stop it when it starts happening and you just go with it. Yeah. Oh yeah, you can definitely channel. If you're if you're a medium, you can channel. Okay. I mean, but like I said, I would if somebody if someone ever claimed to be able to channel somebody, I would want proof 
mm-hmm. that they are a medium. And I would demand it. I would say, you know what, if you, if you can't um, connect people with the other side, then you can't channel either. Because okay. how can you how can you channel if you can't talk to people on the other side? If you're like, oh no, only if they're inside of me. Listen, that works really well if you want to run a scam on people. But <laughs> if you if you are really a medium, then you should be able to you know you should be able to do a reading. Like I think that I would just keep doing readings no matter what. Like not you know five a day or anything like that, but you know maybe like one or two a week just to have a more consistent. Yeah. You know, oh yeah, man, she connected me with my grandfather. There was no way that she could have known that he was a farmer and he died at 64. She guessed that. And, and you know, it's like this kind of stuff, right? It's yeah. just that's I'm sharpening my um, abilities. It's like sharpening your tools, you know, okay. to do that. So, you know, that's my opinion on channeling that you have to be a medium. And so in that case there, if authors are channeling, then yes, I do think that there are, I wouldn't say a lot of authors, who are mediums, but I think there's a lot more mediums out there in society than I think that for every medium that you know about, like me, there's probably like 10 more. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. They just don't know it. Fascinating topic. Yeah. Cause uh, you know, the more you, we get into this woo -woo stuff, you realize that everybody's different, but these gifts will express themselves Mm -hmm. through so many different occupations uh, and venues. So it's really interesting to kind of explore some of these. So very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go on to the next one. I think we got plenty of time for this. We're going to talk about the angelic hierarchy. And this came from last week's uh, meet or two weeks ago. Questions on the different types of angels that are out there. And I went ahead and just basically used Wikipedia and looked at the Christian angelology is what we'll call it. Um, And so they view basically that there's three different types of angels. And then within them, there's about three different types of angels within each of those groups. So about nine in total. So Sam, let's, we'll take a look at these first, just kind of the, the overview is they have these angels divided into three distinct spheres. The first sphere are angels that serve as heavily servants of God, the son incarnated. Okay. So they direct serve God directly. Second sphere is angels of the second sphere work as heavenly governors of the creation by subjecting matter and guiding and ruling the spirits. Then there's a third sphere who function as heavenly guides, protectors, and messengers to human beings. So, Sam, generally, do you think this is kind of the case, those categories hold true? Are there different, you know, roles of angels? I I do agree that there's different roles of angels. I'm not quite sure how people would know what they are unless they're mediums that can access that kind of information. Um, I only know of a few different roles, like the main, the main role for angels is to serve source. Okay. So all of us, right. Cause we're all on the other side. When we all cross over, we all combine again. Okay. Right. So we're individual, but together. And that's why everyone feels like so much love. That's why they bring it up. They're just like, you know, it's love beyond what, well, it's like, yeah, it's you times, you know, gazillion, million, trillion, right? All together, (laughs) all together, finally, you know, and then you're also joining up with your other part that's over there that, you know, you never 100% are away from source, right? So 
that's what I, that's kind of what I glean from it. It's hard to wrap your head around though, because I'm like, oh, I'm trying to describe this stuff with the human mind. I mean, I barely get this stuff, but the, the main one that came to me was that angels are, are our transport from here to there. Okay. So when we, when we're coming to earth and most people who are recalling returning to earth, they do recall having at least one or two angels, you know, next, somebody next to them, like there was somebody next to them. Okay. So they're going down. And then of course, when people are coming back, they always, you know, when people are dying a lot of times they say, Oh, my family's there. And, but it's actually the angel. And then what happens is that, there really is no time or space in between here and there. So that's why you can see your family because now the veil is lifting, but it's the angel who actually takes you back. Okay. Well, we'll go over whether that's, you know, as I was reading through these, my thought was the human mind wants to categorize and do all these things. And I can just see these religious scholars say, you know, they, they go through the Bible and they say, okay, this, they describe this one and they write it down and they, they try to categorize them, but I'll go, let's go through the ones that they have. And we'll just kind of get your thoughts. Uh, the first one was the seraphim, uh, literally translated as the burning ones. And these are supposedly the highest angelic class and serve as caretakers of God's throne and continuously praise him. I think there's a passage in Isaiah about this, but it describes them as having six wings, uh, two wings cover their faces, two cover their feet, and the last two wings are to fly. Um, do you think like that there's different numbers of wings that they have? No, I think that, um, I think people just make stuff up. Okay. <laughs> to be honest with you, I just think they make it up. There's angels, there, you know, there's that me melodic music that plays right. the other side all the time. You know, the angels singing um, and serving, like they're saying, you know, God, but it's like, well, you know, it's, it's source and okay. source doesn't have to be served because remember that um, we can create things with our mind. Right. So we don't need angels serving us. So, you know, right then that that person just made that stuff up, whoever okay. it was who made, they just made it up. Cause I think that people, like you said, Rudy, people want to categorize stuff and they want to write, they want to write novels and go on tour and have seminars. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I know I'm going to be very well, in the old days before there was a TV. I mean, you'd look at the stars and you'd theorize about this kind of stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I mean, angels can take any shape as well. I mean, you can see that it's almost like they're they're wearing like these gowns and they have like big wings and, you know, that kind of thing. But I mean, they can change shape and morph um, okay. and they don't have souls like we do, but they also don't have to learn lessons here on Earth. So they would be more like, I guess, if you had Android people. Yeah. It would be the angels would be, you know, I mean, people wanted to get me, me to get deep about angels and, you know, they just, they just pretty much do what they're told, which is why there was such a big shock about the war in heaven. Right. You know okay. what angels think they can take over heaven. Like, you know, <laughs> smoking what? 
Yeah. I mean, we mentioned the, the cherubim is one and that's, you know, that was one that they said are confused often sometimes interchange with something called the puti P U T T I. And cause those are the human baby like beings that we, you know, that we perceive. And I think you've mentioned that you've seen, or those smaller ones exist, right? You've seen those yeah. that we refer to as cherubim, anything special or particular about them, or is that just kind of the shape that they take? Well, you know, they can take any shape okay. that they want. And there's um, those ones, like alternatively, when they were um, flipped into darkness, those would be now imps. Imp, okay. Yeah, I think it was St. Thomas Aquinas imagined Satan as a fallen cherub. Um, so that, that's interesting that, that uh, they could be converted. There's some. There's a lot of different other types in here. Then we won't have to go through each one. But the interesting one was the second sphere. It's almost like they've. There's a a class of angels that, that govern creation. So okay, now here's a group of angels, and their job is to you know work in the earth realm, govern those things, and then other ones will govern God's things. But it sounds like it's an angel is an angel, and they just have different different jobs at different times maybe does that make yeah. sense yeah it's kind of like you know if you're from source like we yeah. all are but you know well what do we do on the other side well everybody has different things and different levels that they've attained and you know huh. it's just but there's not you know a different kind it's like if you want to categorize stuff you know you've got the angels are not and then you've got the animals like the creatures like the, the dogs and cats like people's okay. pets even if you had like a pet goat, they can be over there as well. But they're not the same as part of Source. It's okay. a different thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, interesting. So, and then the, um, would you say guardian angels? Uh, that's kind of the last type of angel that they, they go into. But would you f- feel that the personal guardian angels, that that is their single function is to help us here in the earth realm? Or again, is it just another angel and part of their function is to help certain certain beings here in the earth realm? Well, it's sort of like every, from my understanding, from what I can see, um, you know, because like I said, I was nosy about this stuff and I would glean whatever I could. Um, from what I could see, the angels that accompany us down here when we're born, they follow us throughout our life. And it's not necessarily to protect us. Mm -hmm. It is to supervise, right? To supervise us more than anything so that when we die and then they're there to take us back to the other side. Okay. All right. Well, interesting. Then, uh, yeah, that, you know, as I read through all these last night, I was doing this research. I'm thinking this is, there's a lot of human mind stuff going on here. So, um, all right. Any other final thoughts about angels? I know sometimes we there are stories of angels that, you know, people say an angel appeared. And I think you've said they can't appear right to us as humans. Yep, they sure can. And they, they can get involved sometimes in saving somebody. OK. You know, like angels have pointed out things to people. Right. You know, sometimes that's allowed. And it has absolutely nothing to do with whether or not the person receiving the information was um you know better than you know that's the only thing i get upset about when people always be like oh you know well god saved them it's like no it doesn't work that way you know just like with cancer it's like what about all the people who fought and actually passed away from cancer i mean it's not like god didn't choose them it's just that it's one of those 
things that we can get here on the earth realm that we can die from. And there's many different things that we can die from. And that causes a lot of people a lot of stress every single day. And it really shouldn't, you know, the only one who's a little bit stressed out about that is your angel, because they have to be ready to take you across to the other side, right? (laughs) Whenever it happens, they got to be, you know, on point, ready to go. There's no slacking on taking you back to the other side. (laughs) I always think about those stories where like, you know, an angel, maybe a steering wheel gets jerked or, you know, you, you do push on the gas when you weren't going to, and it it helps you. And I always wonder, like, there are some people maybe that do have a purpose and the angels will do all they can to help them. And it's not that they, not every angel wouldn't do that, but maybe not everybody is as receptive or able to be helped maybe is the difference. Would that sound reasonable? I think that there is a little bit of luck involved okay. with being here on the earth realm. And, and I know that scares a lot of people, okay. you know, they're like, Oh no, you know, <laughs> isn't there a plan? Didn't we sit down and figure something out ahead of time? Well, yeah, your nexus point you did, okay. but you know, what about all this filler? You know, you got to live your life day to day and make choices and, you know, and that's all part of, you know, what you're building towards because you always want to learn and yeah. improve. But, you know, there's also the mundane day-to-day stuff of, of being a human where you have to take care of your needs. Sure. Okay. Well, cool. Well, thanks for that, Sam. Interesting topic on angels. Obviously, as we found, it's more, it's more complex. We've made it more complex than it really is. So, it's like you know, Alana says, when a deceased person is earthbound, did their <laughs> angel fail them? So that's a very good question. So people who don't, um, or maybe they're listening on the podcast and they're like, Hey, what the heck is this? Right. Let me listen to this. Let me download it. It looks like it has some psychic medium stuff in it. Um, the being earthbound is very simply when a person or anybody passes away and they do not cross over to the other side, you cannot carry on with your existence as a spiritual being until you have your end of life review. And so people who are stuck in the in-between, they're refusing to have their end of life review. And that can be for a whole host of reasons. It can be because they're still addicted to alcohol. Um, They still want to be able to sort of smoke cigarettes, which you're like, well, how can they do that? Well, they can vicariously experience that through another human, for example you know, by being around it, like they are, you know, um, you know, maybe they are, um, you know, afraid of judgment, you know, they were brought up very, very strict, um, strict religious background, and they're afraid of judgment, maybe they did do a lot of bad things, while they were on the earth realm, and they're afraid to cross over. Um, you know, or it could be even for, you know, simple things that, you know, a child felt that because, you know, they didn't help, mom fold laundry that morning that, you know, they're headed for bad places and they're hesitant to, but no, it doesn't have anything to do with the angel. The angel is really um, a bystander in it all. And just, it's almost like the car that's the transportation when the time comes, right. Except it's got abilities. So it's, it's a living thing. An angel is a living thing. So I don't want to compare it to a car, but it has as about as much will as a car has, meaning that if you don't want to cross over for your end of life review, for whatever reason, the angel cannot force you because the angel serves 
the, yeah. the, the spiritual being that is currently a human. Well, that's interesting you say that because they're one of the types of angels they talk about is one called the thrones. And they almost describe them as vehicles. And these are the ones in Ezekiel, those wheeled uh, circles in the sky. And as I'm reading the description, I'm like, it sounds like a, a vehicle, something that's moving you. Like, the, how is that an angel? But that's right on with what you're saying is that, that they help transport you. So that actually makes a lot of sense. Well, actually, I... They asked me, um, someone asked me about Ezekiel, and I said, that is a UFO. Oh, That's just okay. documentation of a UFO sighting back in the Old Testament days. The, the aliens have been coming here for a very long time. And they didn't know what it was, and so they called it an angel. Fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> very cool. All right. Well, uh, let's go ahead and get into the topics. we got about 14 questions. Uh, and we'll start off with a question from Dale. Hi, Sam and Rudy. It seems like something is happening with time. I thought it was just me getting old at first, but I hear others saying the same, even much younger people, that the months are going by so fast. Is there anything to this? Possibly the Great Awakening? Thank you. Is there anything to it? Well, that would make sense if the vibration is increasing, because when I hear people from the other side speaking, their um, cadence is probably at... uh, two times to two and a half times okay. the speed. So that would make sense. If we feel like time is speeding up, it's more the increase in vibration in our physical being. And that's giving that impression of movement. Interesting. Yeah. I feel the same way. It's like I could sit down on a Saturday of my day. It's just disappeared. You know, it's, it's going that fast. So I definitely agree, Dale, that our perception of time is speeding up. Well, let's go to the next question. We had one get upvoted, but I think I caught it here. So uh, Winner writes, hey, guys, love the show, and thanks again for all you do. My question is, uh, sorry it's late, just happened a few hours ago, and something puzzled me that has resonated over the past few weeks. If intuition kicks in in our daily lives, what time frame distinguishes between intuition and ethos? I thought that they were the same, but because it happened instantly, there must be another explanation Guys are on an earth timeline, perhaps. Thanks. And winner in the chat. I don't know if you have an example. I'm just trying to think what you mean, intuition and the ethos feeling something is going to happen versus uh, knowing it's going to happen. Maybe. I think it's more about just information because ethos has information in it, just like everybody has an ethos around them. And then there's sort of the worldwide ethos that surrounds all of us. And then we have intuition, which individualizes the information that's coming to us. So you therefore do have access to the ethos and your intuition tells you when something specifically um, has to do with you. Okay. Okay. So how, yeah, it's more of turning, tuning in to the right radio station versus just listening to the random radio station of the ethos, right? You got knowing, it. That's knowing what intuition is you you tune into the radio station that's playing your song. Ah, I like the way you put that. Okay, very cool. All right, thanks, Sam. Uh, next question comes from this is me. Hey guys, I read a scientific study some years ago that ended up proving that thoughts and intentions can actually affect history. Meaning that if you pray or send intentions for things in the past, you will still affect things in the past. Do you feel this is possible, at least on a small scale? Is time truly nonlinear? Oh, well, time exists in the earth realm. 
Um, so I believe that time is linear for us. It's just that there is no time on the other side, which is again, really hard to get your head around. Yeah. Um, because you're like, how can time exist here, but not over there? It's like, well, it just does. So just go with it. So, <laughs> but, but you know, your intentions can only affect the situation that you're in right now, because what has happened in the past is in the past. Okay. So that's probably the best way to look at it, that you're you combining with other people to affect the ethos or send good intentions will only work for today and in the future. And it's more like it works for like right now when you're doing it. So it's very helpful that if you get in real time information from somebody saying, hey, you know what? I'm going in for an operation. It's going to be really scary. Can everyone please, you know, pray that it's the tumor they're taking out when they do the test that it's not cancer. Okay. Yeah. And empowering you added to that. She personally believes that you can affect the past and any healings I do now heals my past as well as for my daughter timeline too. So yeah, I almost think about that is if you're working on yourself to heal something that would affect you know, those around you probably, and just that you're, you're taking care of yourself. Right. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Okay. All right. Um, well, the next one comes from Raymond. Hello, Sam and Rudy. Many people pray to saints for healing and miracles. Do saints really hear them and perform miracles or is it just coincidence when something good happens? Thanks. Well, it doesn't really have to do with the saint. It has to do with their action of asking. Just like, um, you know, uh, empowering you says that, you know, you have to ask. And then it's through asking that you can receive it okay. if it's meant for you to receive it. And, but I mean, if you don't ask, then you might not get it. So you should probably <laughs> ask. <laughs> so St. Saint Christopher, I, I'm trying to remember the patron saints have lost things and that those aren't actually the people that go out and find your stuff. It's just. <laughs> no, no, just you asking and, you know, asking the ethos, you know, making a command with your mind and having that intention. And if you can recruit a couple of people to ask with you, okay. all the better. All right. I gave up trying to find my AirPods, so and I bought some new ones, which means I'll probably find the old ones soon. Yeah, so. just underneath something. <laughs> we got to clean the couch. All right. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, Tanya Oz writes, hey, guys, can you please talk about the spirit of horses, the connection people have, and what horses can teach us? Also, those who say they are professional animal communicators. Is this a skill they are born with? Thank you. I think being able to communicate with animals is very similar to the gift to be able to speak to people on the other side. So I'd wonder if someone who communicates with animals, they might specialize in that. Um, but I wonder if they can do readings for people as well, because I would be suspicious that maybe they can, if, you know, they're not just somebody who ma who's making this stuff up because some people just make this stuff up. Just like um, I have often said before that the toughest thing about deciding to work as a psychic medium is that there are so many people who are fraudulent, you know, okay. or they're not mediums They're psychic, but they're not mediums. Okay. But I mean, if you're um, somebody who's like one in every 20 people at least would be psychic. So it's not like something that you could work 
as in a vocation full-time kind of thing, right? So, but mediums tend to specialize. So, you know, speaking, connecting people with animals. Like I can, I can talk to animals who passed over. I do all the time. Okay. And I'm happy to do it because, you know, some people, they may not have even had any children, but they miss their cats or, you know, a, a specific dog was, you know, like their best friend that they really miss. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of animals that are really special to us, they still live on on the other side and we will see them when we pass. And in the meantime, since they are, are still like a living thing, they're still alive. Okay. So then they can communicate with people like me. So, you know, I think that um, a lot of people who are mediums, um, part of that is being a mind reader. Because mm -hmm. that was, again, I, I got a clue really early on that not everybody could do that when I was a little kid. I was like, oh, I can do something here that other people can't do, right? And you, you catch on after a little bit. But speaking to animals would be very similar to just reading minds. And, you know, you almost you get pigeonholed or you get into your groove where you start to do it a few times, then you become the pet medium. Or you do, and, you know, maybe like, well, I'm not going to go to the horse medium to get a reading for me. I'm going to go to the people medium. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like with me, I would, I would um, be happy all day, you know, giving people like going through um, business stuff or real estate or um, like, especially, you know, if they're going into business with somebody and this sort like details, these sorts of things, um, you know, because I, I excel at that because of my experience, you know, so I can certainly understand how somebody who has, uh, the ability to be a medium, you can choose from so many different yeah. specialties and it all equates to helping people. Okay. And specifically horses, you know, you've mentioned before in the past that you see them as almost simple souls, a little bit more advanced. Would you say horses and all pets are on the same level or is, is horse kind of, you know, a little bit more advanced, but still very simple, not, you know, not human, obviously. Right, right. Um, yeah, horses would be more advanced. Um, whales are extremely oh. advanced. Whales, dolphins, um, any of those creatures are okay. extremely advanced. Um, sea lions. Sea lions have saved humans. Who There was a guy who jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, uh -huh. and he broke his vertebrae. But what happened is the sea lion saved him. Kept oh. him above water. Can you believe that? And knew he was in trouble and kept him above water. Wow. So, I mean, you know, those there, that's pretty special for a sea lion to do that, but they do have a higher level of understanding animals do than what we sometimes can give them credit for. And yes, there are some that, and again, even within the type of animal, like dogs, for example, you know, I've owned a few dogs and, I've had dogs like the, the smart, the most intelligent dog I would say would be my pit bull, right? He's the most intelligent dog. The um, dog that just was not the sharpest tool in the shed, like at all was the German Rottweiler that I used to own. And he died when he was about seven, he had a heart attack, but he was so huge and stuff, but no, not this sweet, sweet thing, but not very intelligent. <laughs> so again, it can vary across the, you know, you can have one dog that's like super smart and you have this connection with, and then other dogs that 
you're just kind of like, oh, whatever. They're just a regular <laughs> dog. <laughs> I told my wife, get into doing energy work on animals. I think there's big money people spend on their pets these days. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, Marty writes, hi, guys. What led people to believe in vampires many years ago? Did they ever exist? Could you also talk about energy vampires? I sometimes feel so drained after I speak with some people, yet those people keep wanting to meet up with me, but I choose not to. Thanks. So I guess real vampires that drink blood, Sam, uh, and sleep uh, during the day. No, they have never existed. They are just like werewolves. No such thing. Um, it just comes from a story. I think the the um, the count that used to kill. Um, I don't know if it was like people who would try to steal from him or like yeah, the guy from Transylvania. I think and what gang people. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he would do terrible things to them and, you know, like impale them in front of and have them in front of his, you know, castle. So anyone coming could know that, oh, no, you know, if I if I step in the wrong direction, this guy could do some terrible things to me. Um, But there was no real no real vampires, just like there's no real werewolves. And what was the other one? So then energy vampires. And these are people that seem to just suck the life force out of you or suck all your energy. Um, What do you think about those types of people? Do they exist? Do they know that they're doing what they're doing? Well, I think that they're just people that um, they are, you know, constantly making bad decisions. And the reason why they keep coming around that person mentioned about how, you know, they don't call them or they keep trying to come around. Well, it's because they don't have any other friends because everybody else Mm -hmm. drops them like yesterday's news. And instead of trying to have a little bit more back and forth, I mean, nobody wants to be hanging out with somebody who just talks about themselves all the time. I mean, even with me, I'm a medium. I'm not talking about, I talk a lot, but I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking about, the information that I have, which from the other side, which makes it more interesting for me to continue to blab like this. But normally this type of relationship would not be acceptable because if, you know, one person sort of just all, everything's all about them. um, They're not helping anyone else. Um, And, you know, even if they, you know, an energy vampire is somebody who, you know, is taking from you, they want from you, even if it's your attention, your time, your information, and then they don't accept what you say and they circle back and they're just exhausting. It's just a personality type and you're just smart to stay away from them because all you're doing is enabling them. And if people start to get a clue that maybe they don't have any friends is because they behave in a way that's not acceptable, then, you know, then they start to work on it and, and make changes, you know, like your annoying friend who, for example, is still single and it's like, why am I still single? And you can go down the whole list of, okay, these are the things you need to improve right. in order to get out there in the market and present yourself in a better light. And then you can make the list. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Sam. Uh, Sean writes, hi, Sam and Rudy. We are all light beings at different levels and we are part of source. Do you think if you search a high enough Uh, Do you think if you reach a high enough vibration, any of the Sam Jam crew could be an ascendant master, mistress, being, etc.? I'd love your thoughts on some very high vibration with peeps on this channel. Um, How cool would that be? Thanks for all you do. I've been working like a dog. Really look forward to all the streams. Thanks. 
Okay. So can any of us re raise our vibrations enough while we're in this group to uh, become an ascendant master? What do you think of that? Or any of us ascendant masters? <laughs> well, actually, a person in my information with what they're telling me, a person is not um, does not become an ascended master here. Okay. They become an ascended master when they have their end of life review, and then they go to that, you know, well done, good and faithful servant place, you know, okay. and go up the other level. And then the ascended masters are the ones who are who've advanced to the higher level. But it's not that anyone else can't be there at that point. It's just that everyone aspires to that. Okay. Um, and the thing is, is that if someone is an ascended master, when they cross over and have their end of life review, and let's say they come back here, mm -hmm. right, they don't have to, but they come back here, well, then they're already an ascended master. So they're not really, you know what I mean? Increasing right. their vibration to become an ascended master. They were already <laughs> before they came here. So if we have any in the crew, they were here, they were ascended masters before they got here. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Interesting thought, Sean. So cat lady says when she listens and listens to this, Oh no, Lana was wrong, but it's, I guess it's just a type of audio soundtrack or, or music, but when she closes her eyes, she will see, the like rainbow start to dance. So she's seeing the colors and she's seeing it move with the music. So what do you think that phenomenon is electromagnetic or perception of energy? Um, I think it's a uh, perception of energy. That would be interesting if she could see music. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that would be. Uh, Montel says, Sam, just wondering if you happen to see Eddie Van Halen, similar to Freddie Mercury when he died, when Eddie died, that was the first thing that crossed my mind. It was a gloomy day with him dying and my dad on his deathbed. Thanks, Sam. Great stuff as usual. No, I have not uh, seen or heard any Van Halen. And actually, Freddie Mercury died like a really long time ago. It was, I only saw him, um, it was, I think, November of like the Academy Awards that he won. Would it have been, I think, October? February of 2018. Right. And so it would have been in November of 2017 that I randomly saw him strut across my mind's eye wearing that spandex, you know, the, the, with the white and the black checker, yeah. like the diamond. Yeah. That outfit. Okay. Um, that's what I saw him wearing, doing his strutting across like he used to on the stage and, I was, and that's when I said to myself, wow, he's really excited about something. And then when I heard that that movie was in the running, I said to myself, I bet you that's what he was so excited about. So just to clarify, it wasn't um, the only the person that I saw walk by and wave to me was an actual person that I met who was a famous person. Okay. And yeah, that when he died and then I saw on the news that he had passed because he was famous enough to be on the news that in, in my country that he had yeah. passed away from a heart attack because he was only in his 60s. Um, and I didn't know him really well. I only met him, I think, yeah, that one time and talked to him and stuff. So I thought it was really strange how he walked by and said goodbye to me. And I was like, that's so weird. I only talked to you that one time and you're saying goodbye to me. Uh -huh. You know, it wasn't like it was my best friend or somebody I just met for lunch, you died <laughs> or anything. And, I, and then to see it on the news. But I think that the people on the other side kind of orchestrated that to show me that, 
you know, this, this was going to start happening more and more. Okay. David wonders if Freddie Mercury still had his mustache when, when he saw him. <laughs> yes. Yes. Short hair and he had his hair short and, and the mustache. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Um, let's see. Detron says, do you see humans moving or visiting another planet similar to Earth within our lifetime? No. Okay. Long way to go for that. There is um, none. <laughs> <laughs> all right. And then the final question of the evening, uh, Richard Carlson writes, um, you can probably generalize this to everybody, but do I have a guardian angel or somebody watching out for me? And I think you've kind of covered this before, but yeah, we all have one that follows us from birth to death. So every single person has a guardian angel. You are never alone. Plus you have the people on the other side, like your tribe. So nobody's ever alone. Okay. Oh, and Matt put in a last question. Yeah, you said our, our family members are always there, the ones that tend to watch out. Um, but Matt Kurtz writes, how are guides different than angels in their functions? Also, do they not participate in the crossing over portions of the journey after death? So, yes, yeah, Sam, do, do your guides help you cross over? That's really, as you've said, your angel that would do that, right? Well, no, that's I, my angel is when I was born okay. and then when I die. Right. My, my guides only have to do with me being a medium. Okay. If you are not a medium, you don't need guides. Yeah. That would be a waste of guides. There's okay. no point. <laughs> right. It's like, it's like a, a like giving a, a, a 20, 20 Mustang to <laughs> like an eight year old who has no driver's license. <laughs> like, least of time, man. He doesn't have a driver's license. He can't even reach the pedals. It's totally illegal. <laughs> So you know what? If you're not a medium, you don't need guides. Okay, very cool. All right, well, that does it for tonight, Sam. Uh, and next, our next meetup will be the 28th, and I think we might have Barton share some ghost stories in the spirit of Halloween. So looking forward to that. Oh, fantastic! Okay, great. Thanks so much, everybody, for hanging out. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks, Rudy.